there I was, at the base of this monstrous cliff. And there was the Pacific Ocean next to me, and I had just a few seconds to hop, jump, skip, before the waves came and hold on, hold on tight. They recede. I got 12 more seconds before the next wave. on the big island, there are these valleys. There are 1,500 to 2,000 foot walls. Do you have any idea what that is? It's a space needle, it's only 600 feet. So put a couple of those on top of each other. It's massive. And part of this coast is supposed to be impassable. And even the guide for kayakers, they say, just go by and wave. <laughs> because you can't land on it. The boulders are there. They're the size of like the, those little go-cars, you know? And they move. And they're covered with seaweed. And that you can slip. But what the hell was I doing there? No one even knew where I was. But the guy in charge showed me where to go. What the hell was he doing there? <laughs> I was following him. He was crazy. He'd been living there for two years in this unknown part of Hawaii. No one had even been there before. He was, I thought, a myth. But it turned out, no. He was a real guy. And I ended up living, staying for a while in this crazy part of the north part of Hawaii, kind of stranded on this coastline that's, that's rough and, and inaccessible. <clears throat> Wait, if he's crazy and I'm following him, no, I wasn't crazy, but how did I get there? Well, how did I get there? I, I, got, I came to Hawaii when I was 24. Probably like most of you have been to Hawaii, you go to a tropical place. I probably actually came for the same reason you did. I came to escape all my problems and be in denial that my life was falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, you went to Hawaii to get married? <laughs> well, I was there, it was my vacation, except that I was there for five months. And I was in between going to school, I was looking for my life, I was a lost woman. And I had this secret inside of me as I traveled alone around the island, hitchhiking, finding wild fruits. I only have $500, that's $100 a month I had to live on. You can do that in Hawaii if you camp out. This was way back when there were lots of hippies there. And I found this part of the island called Waipio Valley. It's actually a mystical beautiful healing place and it's a big valley a mile long black sand beach most of you may have driven to the top and looked down but if you have really strong knees you walk down and there are old houses there where the hawaiians have lived there for generations but the tsunamis keep coming in and wiping things out but the houses still stand no windows or doors and a bunch of us howlies they called us moved in we were squatters and they the people there they were growing you know all kinds of stuff we could eat everything for free. It was wonderful. And we had sweats on the beach and you know we'd sing all these songs and people would come for healing and I realized oh yeah actually I was there for healing too. My heart was broken when I came to Hawaii. It actually had been broken for a long time. I actually didn't know it. I was pretty tough. My name was Chris. 
I could arm wrestle, I was stronger than most guys. And I had this facade that said, no one's going to fuck with my life. So I fucked with my own instead. <laughs> you know that story? So I got to Hawaii, traveled around, was down, there's people, as hippies in Waipio Valley being cool. And I thought, you know what? I was getting a little bored. I got to do a more adventure. I'm going to go to the next valley over, Waimanu Valley. No one I know had even been there before. It's 1,500 feet, zigzag, up to the top, over the top, down again to the next valley. The guidebook says this takes about nine hours. I figured if I jogged, I can get there in about four hours, which I did. I'm not stupid. I borrowed tennis shoes. I'm not going to go barefoot over there, but I did. And so I just took a little backpack, you know, a knife I had for years, a little thick lighter with plastic bag in case I got wet. You know, I, I had my gear. <laughs> I think I had an extra pair of clothes, I'm not sure. I, but I, I said to my friends, I'll see you in a few days, maybe a night or two. I wanted to see what this valley was like. I heard the waterfall that fell thousand foot was sacred, and King Kamehameha I spent his childhood in this valley. You only can get there now with a permit. It's wilderness. It's beautiful. So I did that. I left early in the day. I did my zigzag up, came down, walked down. Oh, there I was, except... Shit. This was not a pristine valley like I thought. Oh, on the beach were these scary guys. I swear, so it must have been some shipwreck with a bunch of crazy pirates just out of there. They were grungy and scary, and they were dirty and hadn't showered and had pit bulls. I'm not kidding, with bites out of them. <laughs> no, I was a tough cookie, but I wasn't that tough. I knew I was in trouble. I was scared. There's no way I'm going to hike 1,500 feet back over. It was getting dark. I had two hours left of light. I didn't know what I was going to do. Oh, my God. And then I looked up, and someone was coming down that trail. Oh, I recognized him. Oh, that's that guy. That guy I heard about. He was like... The guy that lived in the valleys over there, no one had known. He'd been on a silent, in a vow of silence for a year. He'd just come out. I had seen him in, in Waipio Valley, but no, I didn't want to talk to him. Mm -mm. He was too beautiful. He was walking down that. He looked like Jesus Christ on steroids. <laughs> he had baby hair, brown hair. And Brown, piercing eyes, not that blonde, blue-eyed guy, no. This was the real deal. And you know what? He was from Germany. He had a thick accent. I heard him talking one night at the sweat. And he was Jewish. And wasn't Jesus Jewish? <laughs> well, I knew. I knew he was a good guy. And he came down and only took a glance. Look at the guys. Look at me. And he made a split decision. I think he may have regretted it his whole life. But he said, you want to go with me to my camp? I'm leaving in seven and a half minutes. Sure, I'll go with you. And we walked across the beach, and I was ready to get out of there. He was going to save me. And he had these extra booties with awesome like rubber on the bottom and kind of felt you can walk on these slippery rocks. They're made just for this. And he had gotten new ones, apparently, so he gave me his old ones. They were good enough. And seven and a half minutes. Apparently, he timed it. He only could go in and out at certain times. It was a lowest tide, and the ocean was calm. This is the leeward side of the island where you don't even see ships passing. They avoid this part of the coast. It was low enough we could start out and we had to do all this climbing, holding on to these ropes that he had tied up all these years. He'd been collecting ropes that floated up on the beach. He had made 
this really ingenious way to survive getting around these big peaks and over. And you know what? If he could do it, I could do it. And he turned it before we started out. He said, whatever you do, don't fall and cut yourself. <laughs> I don't fall and cut myself. Yeah, what? No problem. You know, what, what, is he challenging me? So there we went. Yeah. And we were running and jumping over. And, and, and I could do it because I was strong. You know, I was an unusual 24-year-old. I actually been living in the wilderness for two years in Northern California. I mean, I, I knew how to do stuff. I, I, I hiked into my house. I lived three miles in. I had horses. I had... I ate deer heart for dinner. I had skin hides. I made my own clothes. I was a tough cookie, like I said. I arm wrestled for money. It's <laughs> <laughs> psychological. That's a trick. Okay, so. The macho guys. So I was on my way over, and it was getting dark, and I heard before I saw, as we round the corner, and the, I could see this pebble, I don't know, Boulder Beach, and I heard the waterfalls, four beautiful waterfalls. And if you ever want to see them, you can rent a helicopter, and they're called the Waterfall Tour on the north part of Hawaii. They are gorgeous. And there's a piece of land about as big as a, as a, you know, a high school racetrack, you know, a running track. And there's land, it moved up and down. I could see in the silhouette, bamboo forest, big trees. And he said, I'm going to my camp. You go on that side. There's a tree to camp under. You can be there. Oh, are you leaving me now? All right. Okay. Fine. Fine. Okay. I'm here. And I did. I, I managed with a barely any light, just using my intuition, jumping from rock to rock, just making it. The water coming up higher and higher. I got to the other side. I climbed up, scrabbled up. <sighs> I was safe from the waves. It was beautiful. I was exhausted. I found these soft. Lee's, I just fell asleep. The next morning I woke up. Oh my God. This crashing sound next to me. Shit! Wild pigs! I heard of wild pigs! What the hell was I doing? He didn't. Where was he? Oh my God, I could kill him. I could die right now. I was too afraid. I was in my seat. I wasn't going to look out. I thought, how many feet will it roll? Could I roll? And if I tumble down that bank, can I get in the water before the pigs scored me? I didn't know. I've never seen a wild pig, but you've heard of them, right? They're everywhere on the Kohala coast. Shit. And then, right next to my head. Wait a minute, that's not a wild pig. Why would we be stepping next to my head? Finally, with all my courage, I looked up. It was a, a mango. <laughs> Seattle, this was no Safeway mango. It was gigantic. And the only time they get fall is when they're completely ripe. Oh, so delicious. Oh, why would this guy be living here trying to find nirvana and meditate to, to enlightenment when the enlightenment was falling off a tree everywhere? You could just eat one of these mangoes. It was incredible. I ended up spending over a week, I actually don't know how many days. There were bananas, there were guavas, and the taro root grew because apparently the Hawaiians that lived there before and planted it. And this German guy, he came over eventually and we started talking. And I knew not to touch him. I mean, I knew he, he was a Buddhist is what I heard. And he meditated every day. And I know you don't touch Buddhist monks. It's out of respect. So we didn't touch. But there was some energy between us, and we'd said, 
and not talk for hours, which I thought was weird. <laughs> and then he spent the night one night next to me, and that was weird. He didn't even want a blowjob. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with him. I mean, honestly, I was 24. I was heartbroken. I was messed up. I did a lot of things with my body only very hurt girls do. <laughs> this guy wanted nothing. I was confused. <laughs> and then after a few days, he said, will you help me? Will you help me, please? He asked me. He was so courageous. He said, I have lice, and I can't get it out of my hair. And I don't know why he wouldn't cut it. Maybe the Buddha didn't cut his hair. Uh, he wanted to look more like Jesus, but he didn't cut his hair. He wanted me to help get the nits out. And I said, yes. Sure, why not? So we spent two days. I find learning how to nitpick. They all, you have to take them out. They don't pull out, you know, they attach the strands all the way down. Thousands of them. It was my meditation. decide to hike up the waterfall to about halfway up, which I think the waterfalls are about 900,000 feet high. Okay, I'm talking about Space Needle and plus some. So we walked, we hiked up to halfway. And these were easy hiking because the way it was built, you kind of just stepped up, you know, with a lot of muscle. It wasn't any you know, scrambling. You just kind of walked to push your way up. We found this nice little place. And for two days, we can see out over the Pacific Ocean, so blue. The sky was perfect. And I would just pick the nits. <laughs> We saw no sign of humans except for a couple times a day, a helicopter would come through below us. <laughs> they never saw us. We were too little. But you know, honestly, as I began caring for him, that was the tenderness that was allowed. It was very sweet. And if I had known then what I know now, my soul had been a little more developed, I might have said, why are you here? Why are you hurting? Mm. Who are you running from? Who broke your heart? Why do you want to achieve enlightenment and leave this planet? What's so bad about being alive? Mm. Instead, we spent time in silence. And then I got the lice all out of his hair. And then I got lice. <laughs> and then he took it out of my hair. By the end, we were all good. <laughs> we, but we, had, we had this truce. You know, I never did go to his camp. But he had, he had books he would bring to me. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd walk through the banana forest, and it'd be a, you know, Herman Hesse's Siddhartha. And Herman Hesse, like, okay, that's, that's who you're trying to be? Maybe he's crazy. Maybe he has a Jesus complex, or is there such thing as a Buddha complex? Maybe that. <laughs> but we kept each other company until one morning he came to my camp early, woke me up, said, it's time to go, now. He had that big German watch on. Now. I, I knew what he meant. Low tide, calm seas. You want to leave? It's now or never. Which way you want to go? The way we came, back to Waipio Valley? Or all the way over to the other valley, uh, Polaloo Valley, 10 miles between as the sea turtle swims. Of course, I want adventure. 
let's go that way. And that's how I found myself bouncing on these rocks. Was the only thing I can do was time it to get crushed against the waves and not be pulled out. Oh my God, I could have died. Oh no, don't worry. If you get pulled out, he said, just let your backpack go. You don't really need it. It's a riptide. You can't fight it. It'll flow you all the way over there to the edge. And then it turns around and turns you right back against those sea cliffs. And you end up right at the valley we're going to anyway, so I'll just meet you there. <laughs> skinny valley. I thought there was going to be a beach where I could rest and camp. No, it's mostly swamp. There wasn't enough. We had to climb up these steep mountains. I was actually not feeling very well. I was embarrassed to tell them, but I did something I wasn't supposed to do. I had slipped and cut my leg on the rocks. And I had wrapped it, wrapped it, washed it out with all this beautiful water off the mountain, tried to keep it clean, but it wasn't getting better. And dang, there was a red line going up. My God, I was feeling bad. I still had another thousand feet to climb up and then three miles through wild pig country to go. And we made it up. And he said, we'll I'll take you to a cabin. There's a hunter's cabin. Just come with me. We'll find it. And we did. And I got there. Before I got there, I could see these wild plants growing. And I just knew intuitively that they would heal me. There was wild ginger. And they had these stalks. Like, Big stalks, and with a knife, I sliced thin, like band-aids of wild ginger, and we dipped it in boiling water. And for a day and a half, he nursed my leg. Every every 10, 15 minutes, dipping a new slice, putting it on my on my scrape, on my cut, dipping a new bandage, wrapping it all night, all day, until it was healed. And then I was ready to go out. He didn't want to see anybody. He did not want to run into hunters. He did not want people to know that he was squatting back there in this most wild land. So he said he walked me just to the edge and showed me the rest of the three miles I needed to go. So we got crack of dawn. And we walked out to this where the stream was running, and we built a sweat. You know, there's all kinds of material in the jungle, big leaves. And we sticks on the ground. We made this nice wiki up. We threw on these gigantic monstrous leaves because we were in the cloud forest and the green things grow big. We hit the fire. We put the hot rocks in. Got inside for our last sweat, a cleanse. We both knew this ritual. He dumped on the water. Oh my God. He's burning me. Holy shit. He is crazy. I about singed my eyebrows. That's way too hot for me. He gets mad at me. Come on in here. You can do it. We parted just like lovers that are too heartbroken to really say goodbye. We parted with a quarrel. What an asshole! <laughs> I'm sure he thought worse of me. So we didn't have to feel this pain of leaving. I was mad at him. Oh my God, he was crazy. He was mad at me. I couldn't take it. Off I stormed with my coconuts filled in my backpack because that was my only water source. And off I went back to civilization. I walked three miles. I saw a couple horseback riders. I looked down, didn't want any attention. By this time, my skirt was ripped up to here, and my, band, my leg was bandaged with the rest of it. I just wanted to get out. And I got down to the last valley, and the beach was beautiful. And I looked up, and there were the cars all parked at the parking lot, at the overlook. And they were tourists looking down. And it was still morning. It was beautiful. And the ocean was calm, was lapping on the water. I knew I had to go there. 
but I'd just been there. A good friend of mine, he's my sole friend, he said, self-reflection can either be paralyzing or liberating. You choose. Well, I stood there on this beautiful beach. I drank the last of my coconut water, left the coconut there. I looked back and I could see, I could see the rocks coming out in the valley in the distance, 10 miles as the sea turtle swims. I had come from. I wondered if that was a dream. Had I, had I just been trapped, stranded on this inaccessible, dangerous part of an island where I could have been killed several times by a crazy man? Or had I been magically guided to a healing paradise by a bodhisattva? You choose.